When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. Um, we are in episode 48 of Exodus, God's Great Rescue, and we are in the portion of Exodus where Moses and God are just creating case law. I think this is from when Moses had this history of all the things that he was deciding, and now he and God are talking about it. And so God is, uh, God is kind of going through with him case law and trying to figure out how this, how this works. Today we're going to look at personal private property. And kind of things like that, because you have, uh, you know, protection of private property is an, a fundamental right. Nobody, if if the law is you should not steal, right? You can't steal from somebody else. That's the Ten Commandment. Then the question becomes, well, what is stealing and what's not stealing? Because the fund, the protection of private property is a fundamental right in society. Nobody has the right to come in and take things from you. Now, there will be people that'll do that. There'll be governments that'll do that. There'll be kings that'll do that. There'll be other people that will come in and try to take whatever's yours. But the fundamental law, all the way back to Genesis, is whatever you have is yours. You're not to steal, um, which allows you to have have things, right? And have nice things if you want. Um, that is a fundamental law. And so any community that's worth its salt should protect the private property of its citizens. So uh, Moses and God are talking. So we're just going to continue. We finished chapter 21. We're going to go to chapter 22. Let's see how that conversation goes. Whoever steals an ox or a sheep and slaughters it or sells it must pay back five head of cattle for the ox and four sheep for the sheep. So if you steal an ox or a sheep and you slaughter it, then you have to repay it five times. So that's a pretty steep price. Uh, obviously, if you get away with it, then you're not, you know, you're not going to pay anything. But if, if it's found out that you slaughtered that sheep and, the, and then you eat that sheep, now you have to pay back four or five fold times of what that is. And I guess... Um, Maybe as just a corollary to that, when, when Jennifer and I lived in Denver, we lived next door to a house that was owned by the Denver Association of Baptist Churches, something like that. And the house was there for some of their missionaries would come back on missionary uh, work uh, overseas. And they would live in the house for three months or six months or nine months or a year there was one family, the Grossman family, that lived there, I think, for two or three or four years. Just a phenomenally wonderful family. Absolutely wonderful family. Uh, their kids and our kids were about the same age, and so they played together. And um, and uh, the, the father uh, said one of the hardest things about being overseas is that in some countries overseas, Instead of the protection of private property, they have things where if you can steal a sheep and get away with it, then that's considered to be kind of a good thing. And you wouldn't think that's the case, but being sneaky was like one of the one of the um, 
most admired uh, things of that of that community, and the and it's hard to be sneaky, right? But what happens is that you you build up for yourself kind of a standing in the community that you are. Uh, you know, you're a politician. At some point, you're a protected class. Let's say it's that. And as a protected class, if you go and steal somebody who's not in the protected class, then it's wink, wink, nod, nod. It's kind of a form of um, apartheid that, that you know, has existed in, in various communities throughout the world or the caste system in India. And basically, uh, in Africa, in this particular community he was, you know, they stratified to who was the in crowd and who was the out crowd. And if you were in the in crowd and you got away with stealing somebody's sheep, then wink, wink, nod, nod, you know, we're going to pat you on the back and say, hey, congratulations, you got away with it. And you don't, and that's, there's always, in any community, there's always this kind of stratification that ends up happening between different peoples. And I think it even kind of happens here, unfortunately, in the United States. There does seem to be a class of people for which the laws do not apply because they're either part of the in crowd or they are uh, wealthy or, um, or maybe they're famous and their the famousness allows them some incredible degree of freedom to do things that, that the rest of us would not be able to do. And so... The, the way that you protect against that is to make sure that the fundamental rights of the country or the community, the tribe, are maintained. And that's just hard. It's, it's hard for people to maintain the fundamental rights because somebody at the top, like Moses, has to be the enforcer of the law to make sure that there's no wink, wink, nod, nod going on. Um, so... The, the reason why this seems like such a really harsh punishment, I mean, when you think about it, five heads of cattle for one, for one ox that's stolen, uh, it, the reason why that's so high is because you got to put a really huge price tag on some of these things. Otherwise, um, you know, if it's just ox for ox, then what, what harm is there in stealing it? You know, if you get caught, you just pay back the ox. So there has to be a, a, a heavier burden placed on that stealing so that it's a barrier that you wouldn't do it because if you got caught, it's a significant fine or it's a significant cost to you. And you may not even have that cost. And so you have to sell yourself into debt and all sorts of things. So you can't just look at these laws as just um, in isolation. You have to understand at some level these laws were put in there to deter people from actually doing the crime. And that's that's what it is. So let's go to verse two. <laughs> if a thief is caught breaking in at night and is struck a fatal blow, the defender is not guilty of bloodshed. But if it happens after sunrise, the defender is guilty of bloodshed. So obviously, uh, if you're at night and somebody comes into your home and, and you're not sure about it and you kill them, then it's not on you. But if they come in during the day, and you kill them, then it is on you. So, and the reason why it's day is because when they come in during the day, you can look at them, you can see who they are, you can talk to them, find out why they're in the house. Uh, here in the United States, we do have a similar law that if somebody breaks into your house at night, 
uh, and you shoot them, that it's not on you. But if they break into your house a day, well, we have locks on our house now. So nobody should ever just come into your house. So here's an example, a perfect example of a law that needs to kind of be adjusted a little bit. So the way we handle this here in the United States today, it's the same law, is that if somebody comes into your house, uh, that is considered to be trespassing and you have every right to ba basically strike a, vital, a fatal blow. Um, that is a fundamental right going back thousands of years. You are, you are the master of your house. You have control over your domain. Nobody come in, can come into your house without asking. This is a very, very fundamental thing. Uh, goes on. Anyone who steals must certainly make restitution, but if they have nothing, they must be sold to pay for the theft. If the stolen animal is found alive in their possession, whether ox or donkey or sheep, they must pay back double. So before it was, if you slaughter the ox and start to eat it, then you have to do four times or five times. But here, if they find it and it's still alive, then you have to pay back double. And if you can't pay it back, you have to be sell yourself into slavery. I mean, these may seem like harsh things, but it's the only way for society to really live. They have to create these kinds of uh, rules to, to, to make sure that we can live together. You have to have a set of rules and that, that everybody knows and understands. It's just the way it is. We'll continue going. Verse five, if anyone grazes their livestock in a field or vineyard and lets them stray and they graze in someone else's field, the offender must make restitution from the best of their own field or vineyard. Mm, that makes sense. So in other words, if you uh, if your ox gets to your neighbor's house and they eat, you know, his vine, then you have to open up your vine and your best vine for the ox to come and eat, you know, eat your vine. I mean, this is this is how it works. Uh, if a fire breaks out and spreads into thorn bushes so that it burns shocks of grain or standing grain or the whole field, the one who started the fire must make restitution. Makes sense. If anyone gives a neighbor silver or goods for safekeeping, and they are stolen from the neighbor's house, the thief, if caught, must pay back double. But if the thief is not found, the owner of the house must appear before the judges, and they must determine whether the owner of the house had laid hands on the other person's property. So this is kind of an interesting one. If, so if I, if I go to my next-door neighbor and I, and I give him silver or gold for safekeeping, and then I go over there to get it and it's gone, uh, and he says a thief stole it, then we, you know, we have to go and we have to find the thief. If you go over there and it's gone and he says, uh, you know, thief stole it and you can't find a thief, then you have to go through his house and find out if it actually exists somewhere in his house. Um, because, you know, people, people in human nature will always try to game the system as much as they can. Part of being a follower of Jesus Christ is to never game the system. When you start gaming the system, you start breaking your oath with God to give part of what he has given you to, to serve the world around you. And so when you're gaming the system, you're not serving the world around you. You're you, you know you're being a net taker as opposed to a net giver. So we are called as Christians to never game the system. Verse 9, uh, in all cases of illegal possession of an ox, a donkey, a sheep, a garment, or any other lost property about which somebody says, this is mine, both parties are to bring their case before the judges. The one whom the judges declare guilty must pay back double to the other. So 
if there's an article of clothing and, and they both say it's theirs, then uh, you take that to the judge and perhaps both of them then take, you know, people from their tribe or their household to say, yes, this is an article of clothing that is my, my husband's or my, my servant's or whatever. You know, they have to judge. And the judge has to basically look at both people and try to figure out who's telling the truth and who's lying. And once he determines who's telling the truth, the other one has to do it double. And this is also a fundamental point. I don't know if you've ever been sued or sued. But um, the only one that ever wins in a lawsuit is the lawyers and the judges. If you go to a lawsuit, even if you win the lawsuit, the cost and time for you to go after whatever it is that you're suing could be so costly that it may not be worth it. This is why some people do frivolous lawsuits against you know companies because companies realize, you know, if somebody comes after you for ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars. You're going to pay that just to have one meeting with the lawyer and one, you know, one court hearing, which is why there's small court, small claims court, because in small claims court, at least you can get rid of the lawyers and all that. And you can go directly to the judge. But it's still your time to go to small claims court, which is sometimes, you know, your time is is worth a lot of money. Now, that being said, oh, man, there's another rabbit hole. Um there are people that don't have jobs, right? They they sit at home and they want more money, but they don't want to go out and work for it. So they they make a living out of going for frivolous lawsuits because they can, you know, they they have ten frivolous lawsuits and make maybe one of them will strike gold and they, they you know they'll be very wealthy. the the best the best antidote for this type of stuff. And it really is the best antidote is to have 100% employment, as close to 100% employment as you can. Because when you're working and you're earning a living, then you don't sit around and say, how can I game the system and how can I do a frivolous lawsuit and get money from somebody else? You don't have time to do that. And so we should, uh, as a society, strive to as much as possible Try to make sure that everybody who wants to be employed is employed. And the problem is uh, that in some communities over time, and I'm, I'm not, I don't think too far out of line here, in some communities that over time, uh, they'll institute a minimum wage, uh, which then will put, have the potential to eliminate the job market because once you institute a minimum wage, now it's going to bump up unemployment. It always does. So, um, and the higher the minimum wage, the more unemployment exists. And so the, it's great news for those people who can become employed, but for the people who are not employed and can't find a job because there is a minimum wage, then um, they're the ones that suffer. So they sit at home and they have to do nothing. And so they're the ones that are kind of looking for frivolous lawsuits. Uh, we have a, a man, let's say he's in his 40s or 50s, that shows up at the church periodically, probably unemployable uh, at minimum wage, just completely unemployable at minimum wage. But at a lower wage, he would be completely employable. And at a lower wage, he could, you know, he, there's things that he could do that would make his life a whole lot better. But unfortunately, we have 
uh, a minimum wage, and so he remains unemployed, um, which is unfortunate. And he's not quite... Um, there are some things he can get through our social safety net, but there are other things that he simply can't get through the social safety net because if you want to live in our complex society, there are just things that you have to earn money to get things like water, sewer, electricity, gas, some, you know, toiletry. There's just some sort, there, at some level, you have to have an amount of money to survive. Uh, and so that, that, you know, this is just, these are things that society has to work on because, uh, the, you know, I, there is a minimum wage in the Bible, right? We know a denarius in the Bible was the, was if you had a day laborer working in the food in the field, they were entitled to a denarius. It was a it was a minimum wage type of thing. And the a denarius, the value of a denarius was one day's work of labor in the field, and it went up from there. And if you um, couldn't put in a day's work of work in the field, well, everybody, you know, that's the the great thing about. Um, that's the great thing about um, agrarian cultures is that people could, unless you were absolutely physically unable to, you had a, you know, born with a bad foot or bad arm or whatever, uh, and then society would take care of you, you know, in other ways, or they're supposed to, you know, widows and orphans and, and crippled people, you know, uh, they were supposed to be taken care of by the society, but everybody else was expected to work. I mean, it's not a bad system. Um, and it works great for agrarian societies, but when you get to a more complex society like the United States, um, you know, we haven't figured it out yet. Let me put it that way. We just haven't figured it out yet. I'm sorry. That's a huge diversion. Um, let's go ahead. Verse, have we read verse 10? I don't think so. If anyone gives a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any other animal to their neighbor for safekeeping and it dies or is injured, or is taken away while no one is looking, the issue before them will be settled by the taking of an oath before the Lord that the neighbor did not lay hands on the other person's property. The owner is to accept this, and no restitution is required. But if the animal is stolen from the neighbor, restitution must be made to the owner. I just find this all, so, and this is all thou shalt not steal stuff, right? Um, it's very easy to say, thou shalt not steal, and then trying to apply that law day after day, case after case, th these are just difficult things that people have to, to talk to, you know, and have to come up with, all right, this is how we handle it. And in this case, uh, if the animal dies in his possession, he has to swear an oath before God that he didn't kill the animal. <laughs> that's, that's just the way it is. Verse 13, if the animal, remember talking about the animal, if it was torn to pieces by a wild animal, the neighbor shall bring in the remains as evidence and shall not be required to pay for the torn animal. If anyone borrows an animal from their neighbor and it is injured or dies while the owner is not present, they must make restitution. But if the owner is with the animal, the borrower will not have to pay. If the animal was hired, the money paid for the hire covers the loss. So again, this is just into the weeds type of stuff, but obviously the Ten Commandments are just too broad. <laughs> and so you have to come up with other laws that kind of help understand how those Ten Commandments are to be applied. Uh, the, next, the next set of laws then aren't personal property, but just how do you live in a society? 
because we also, aside from wanting people's property, sometimes we want people's things and sometimes things happen that are unexpected in a society. You might fall in love with somebody um, who's married. <laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of things that can happen in a society. And well, Moses and God talk about that too. So uh, we'll look at those tomorrow as we get together in the next episode um, because that, that these are going to be worthy of their, it's a whole different category that's worthy, worthy of their own, uh, you know, we're, we're our own day's worth of talking about it. So I think we'll end it there. Um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Gracious God, thanks for this day. Um, thanks for showing us how you apply these laws and help us to always follow you in all that we do. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.